Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, where we dig into aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. I'm Chris Kirk, and in today's episode, Todd and I are going to look at whether or not you're employing the captain's attitude when you fly your airplane or whether you're just along for the ride. You know, we all have something to learn in this business, whether you have tens of thousands of hours like Todd and I, or whether you're just starting out. And having a and learning attitude is going to make a big difference in your ability to complete a flight safely time and time again. You know, I learned long ago that there are no experts in aviation. There are only those who refuse to quit learning. And I really believe in that because as soon as someone calls themselves an expert in the flying community, it makes me bristle up, frankly, and, and makes me wonder what their agenda is. See, I think people are out there that want to learn and they want to continue learning. And they're less interested in being thought of an expert as they are being able to pass along good, sound techniques, training, and ideas. You know, unfortunately, in today's world, especially in the internet forum world, there's lots of those quote-unquote experts, lots of whom who have very little uh, practical experience or knowledge, but also who others are afraid to confront or criticize in those forums for fear of being ostracized or, uh, you know, for being kicked off of the forum. So I think it's very important just to find a good mentor and and anyway, go about learning as much as you can and not being afraid to make the tough, important, critical decisions, which is really what a captain's attitude is all about. It has less to do about flying the airplane than it does about your decision-making ability and process. So anyway, uh, Todd and I, Hope you enjoy this episode. And thanks again for subscribing. We appreciate it. Hi, folks. Hey, Chris Kirk uh, here with Todd Minton. And uh, we're um, uh, here with the Wild Blue Podcast. Appreciate you listening. We, uh, we've been bantering back and forth, at least on these last couple podcasts. And we thought maybe we could just share some stuff on kind of having a, a captain's uh, mentality of flying your airplane. You know, are you, are you the captain or are you just kind of along for the ride? Right. What does uh, pilot and command mean to you as well as to us and, and what, how we approach it anyway? I think the thing to, to kind of keep in mind here is we're not trying to be uh, we're not trying to be the experts. In fact, I had a guy tell me years ago, you know, there are no experts in aviation. They're just those people that refuse to quit learning. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's a lot of people that put themselves out to be experts in aviation, unfortunately. Uh, we've just learned a lot of lessons and, and moreover, uh, we like learning, we like learning some lessons. And so, um, especially when it comes to the operation of an airplane and, um, you know, things that you can do to kind of make yourself a safer pilot, a better pilot, um, mitigate some, um, some threats that are going to be out there that you're going to encounter routinely. So, um, I think learning is where it starts to begin with before you ever, before we start talking about decision making and and uh, you know things like weather and other topics that we'll eventually get to, I, I think the first 
step is are have you made the effort do you make the effort to learn your aircraft to include not just can you make a smooth landing in it but you know how will it react if if the engine fails you know do you know the best glide speed do you know the uh and i'm assuming single engine obviously here right now but do you know the uh how far for an approximate given altitude you might be able to glide you know we all have the ability i'm just right off the bat thinking about engine failure but we all have the uh, gps navigators that tell us how far we are from a given airport you know 6.8 miles or 12 12 miles or whatever to the nearest airport well that's that's nice to know but if you don't know or have any idea about the glide ratio of of your given airplane then that's almost just useless information yeah yeah it's it's having that information knowing what to do with it and and being willing to make a decision and of course, based on it engine failure just one thing what if you know what are you going to do if you end up with a fire in the cabin or fire in right. the, you know even if it's in the engine compartment uh, under the cowling or what about other types of of emergencies that you might uh, have you thought about that in a while are you approaching each flight uh, with an understanding of your particular airplane and the details of the actual specific operation of it or have you just kind of avoided getting with a flight instructor or anything for years right you know, Todd and I both come from the military background, and uh, one of the things that, you know, in, in that environment, uh, the mission might actually take priority over safety. Uh, but in, in civilian flying, I, I can't really think of any time that that's going to be uh, the case. And so we have to be, each of us, willing to step back and say no. You know, hey, I, I'm either, I'm not ready, or something else is not ready, or uh, if there's a distraction out there, putting that distraction on hold and being, you know, being willing to, as we know in the airline world, uh, hey, I'm going to set the parking brake and this airplane is not moving until I'm ready for it to move. Right. The the and and ahead of that, we every before every leg, we certify that we're fit for duty. And and the same thing in the in the military now they do the same fit for duty you sign a form before you leave operations that says you're fit for duty, fit for duty. to fly that day. So what what does that mean to each of us as general aviation pilots? Nobody nobody forces me to sign a fit for duty form when I go fly my RV eight or you know, same thing with your. Uh, Piper Saratoga. So, are we as as pilots and pilots in command thinking about our own fitness? You know, do I have a head cold? Do I uh, did I uh, have a decent night's sleep for whatever I you know I'm maybe I'm planning to fly a long way today. Am I going to be up to that? I, I know as an aside, Chris, when I'm flying, you, you're very relaxed because you're back there sleeping or Todd, you didn't you, get much you, sleep. You relax me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but fate. as pilot in command, you know, you, your passengers are going to be the ones that are expecting you to be 
fit for duty. And not just not just physically, but mentally. Right. You know, you've got, uh, <clears throat> you know, maybe you've had a hard day at work. Is it necessarily the best thing to go out and shoot some touch and goes at 9 o'clock at night after you've had a lot on your mind? Um, you know, it maybe there's uh, maybe there's personal circumstances. I can think of, I don't remember when this was, maybe been before your time, Todd, but there was a guy um, that was uh, pre-flighting an airplane and uh, I'm trying to think where this guy was, and he was telling me about it. Oh, I know who it was. It was, uh, it was a guy who actually sold an airplane to, and he was up in Montana. And he was telling me, he goes, he had a prop strike. It's the bottom line. He had a prop strike on this airplane. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he told me, he goes, you know, Chris, uh, I really shouldn't have been out there, even out there at the airport flying. He said, my partner in the business... Uh, either left the business or they were getting into some legal issues and he was just stressed and, you know, he goes out there to the airport and what's he do? He forgets to take the tow bar off the plane and has a prop strike on it. Starts the engine with the tow bar connected. Yep. So, you know, sometimes it's just mental stuff, you know. You got to be willing to... You got to be willing to get past yourself. I mean, you're you're the obstacle in almost all these situations, right? You yourself. You got to be willing to get past yourself and saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, no matter how much I think I can do it, I probably shouldn't be doing it." No, that's that's exactly right. And, and we see seemingly over and over we talk about uh, gear up landings, and again, you wonder at times if some of those the the, the pilot in command is just not mentally mm-hmm. fully prepared for the flight. You talk about going out at at night after a big day at work and doing some touch and goes and and if it's a retractable gear airplane it's entirely possible that 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 will be the the distraction will come you know we all have cell phones now too and the cell phones you know go off as we all know at lower altitudes so are you going to be professional enough to Put your cell phone to airplane mode, or at the very least, just ignore ignore it. Because well, it's funny you should say that because I was reading one of the forums the other day, the Facebook pages that I'm on, and this guy is talking about he took off after a long day of work. He's out there flying, he's enjoying it, and about 200 feet, his phone goes off. What's he do? He answers it. Yeah. I'm like, buddy, you know that's that's just uh, first off, I don't think I'd be fessing up on social no. media, which is probably not the smartest thing. Uh, an overzealous Fed might get a hold of that news that tidbit, but um, secondly, it's just it's just not it just doesn't pass the common sense test. There's no phone call when I'm at 200 feet that I need to be answering. No, nope. no, there is not, and it's a distraction. And you know that would be the exact moment when something else would happen—a bird strike, a, a uh, an engine problem. Right. Uh, yeah. That's that's the way. And it, Life works. <laughs> and you get those distractions like that that uh, can happen in the airplane. So maybe you've got, uh, you know, you got a group of rowdy kids. I mean, I'm, I'm super thankful for my little isolate switch on my intercom system when my kids are in the airplane because mm-hmm. I'll turn them off. You know, and they know that for the first 10 minutes of, of uh, the flight and the last 10 minutes, they're not supposed to be back there being rowdy and talking, but sometimes they still do. But those little distractions are, are what's going to really... Yep, they really keep you, you from putting the landing gear down. Yep, uh, as as I've told you in the past, what what does what does Gump stand for? And and everyone knows G U M P, right? Well, I was told it's not gas undercarriage mixture prop. It's gear undercarriage. Make sure you 
put the gear down, and the P is put the gear down, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, that's just a an important point to reiterate. But so as pilot in command, as the captain, uh, you have to evaluate the weather before each and every flight. And in today's in today's world. I don't think as many people call flight service as used to. However, I would encourage people right off the bat to call flight service mm-hmm. even even today because they do a nice job of the big picture, especially if you're traveling. It is. I can understand if you're you're just going out to do touch and goes or whatever that you can look at at, at sites that will give you the uh, current condition and the forecast, and that's that's fine to stay in the local area. I think, but. Uh, Obviously, do it nonetheless. Don't blow it off, no matter what the flight is. But then, any any distance, I would start with a call to flight service. They they'll hit those key notams in that too. Yeah, I always end with it at flight service, so that I uh, it's kind of my routine. It's a half hour drive down to the airport, and you know, after I've stopped at the, the convenience store to get my cup of coffee and a couple of bottles of water for the airplane, uh, that next thing invariably is I'm on the phone with them for the next twenty minutes. Just you know, asking questions and listening to what they have to say, and uh, and and you know, I did a self brief earlier. I looked at everything, you know, and, but it's uh, it, it's worth hearing their their expertise on that, you know. And do you have a set of no go men's? I know we did a video on this uh, probably a couple of years ago, but do you have personal men's that say, okay, if my weather is you know above or below whatever the the parameters are, including wind? visibility uh you know precipitation uh am i willing to say okay i'm not i'm not going to go because all too often we become emboldened and empowered by pushing those men's oh it worked out this time wasn't it you and i sitting downtown and watching that guy in that 836 come trucking up uh, Mm -hmm. that had just ice dripping off that Mm -hmm. airplane you know and there wasn't a lot of concern um you know and so my fear is you know that guy's going to become a statistic because he didn't know when to say no well, you and I have canceled a number of flights, and these it's not easy to do. These are listing appointments. We, the The owner of the aircraft that we're going to go see has taken time out of his day to be ready. We have taken time out of our schedule and said, this is the day that we're going to fly from here to you know some other location. We don't want to cancel, but at the end of the day, it's the decision, is, and, and we're both airline captains. And we're not afraid to cancel flights. Well, you can't be. And you have to take those external factors and be willing to, to push them off to the side or to just just tell those people point blank, look, it's not going to happen. You know, just the other day I was thinking about this. Uh, I was pushing back. I think it was out of Vegas. And we had a mechanical and we had a couple of things going on. And so I had the, the intercom up and I'm listening to the ground guy. All right, Captain, we're ready. Captain, let's go. And finally, you know, he, he told me this first. I said, buddy, I'll get back to you when I'm ready. And then a couple minutes later, we, you know, we were dealing with something. We were looking up something in the MEL. Captain, we need to get going. And I told him, I said, I said, hey, man, tell you what. I'm going to call you when I'm ready, and this airplane's not moving a minute before. And rarely do I have to get that forceful with somebody. Uh, but, and then I turned my intercom down, and I was done with him. And so we, uh, we still had about five minutes left, and we hadn't run a checklist. You know, we were trying to figure out this stupid MEL that had all these different things. And we're like, what does this mean? And trying to get clarification on it. So you just got to be willing to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to set the parking brake here. I'm either be, be the captain of your airplane, yeah. No matter whether it's a a Boeing 
777 or a Cessna 152. Be the be the captain of your airplane. You know, you mentioned something there that I think is another uh, point worth bringing up. You you referenced MEL. What's MEL uh, stand for? Well, we have minimum, minimum equipment list, of course. And uh, in in general aviation, Part 91 operation, you know, technically everything is supposed to be working on your airplane unless you've got some kind of documentation that's inoperative right. and it's not required for the flight. But that's something that you should evaluate every flight. Is, is the equipment working and is the... You know, maybe you go out and you do your pre-flight or you do your run-up and you find something is not working. And now you have to make another captain decision right there. What are you going to do? Uh, are you going to take the airplane in that degraded condition or are you going to go back and get it taken care of? I'd like to think in general, most people go back and get it taken care of. However, there might be a scenario where mm -hmm. it's not absolutely required uh, given a certain and I, I hate to even go down and speculate on thoughts or ideas but but I would always take the most con the conservative route on that and, and really essentially plan on everything working that's where you get into that get home itis or you know get that, that mission completion mindset yeah. I got to get it done you know, I remember years ago, and I, I'm just curious if this still happens. I, I imagine it probably does, but I was, uh, geez, I was just a, I was a new private pilot. So uh, I had to have been 17 years old, I guess. And I had taken an airplane from a local uh, FBO here that's actually they're not even around anymore. It was, at the time, what, what, what was Johnson County Industrial Airport, it is now New Century. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a sundowner, the, the mighty beach sundowner. And I Ooh, took that boy. thing. From there uh, down to uh, Dallas Redbird, which I think is now Dallas Executive, and uh, and we get how, how how exactly are you, man? Everything's changed in aviation. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything was black and white back then. They've been invented color since then, man. Um, Number two behind Orville for takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I remember we I couldn't get back because the weather or something down there wasn't great, and I remember this uh, this flight instructor. I called up. And man, he was chewing me up one side and down another mm -hmm. because I couldn't get that airplane back. And he needed this airplane back because somebody had it scheduled for a check ride and so on and so forth. And I ended up getting back later that day, but it was about 10 hours later than planned. It was the middle of summer, so we had a lot of daylight. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I remember thinking even as, you know, I was a moron, more, more of a moron than I am now. But, you know, thinking, man, what, what the heck? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> and uh, and anyway, consequently, that was the last time I rented from them. I'd gotten my private from them. You know, in, in retrospect, this guy's probably three years older than I am. and probably has 300 more hours. Uh, and, and, you know, he's all Mr. Important CFI there trying to run the show. He'd go. <laughs> yeah, he'd go. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was glad at that time that I made the right decision. But I, I stopped renting from him. And if you're facing that kind of situation with uh, whoever you're renting from... You're renting from the wrong people. I'd go look for somebody else. I, I or a flying club. It could happen even in the mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. You again. This is where the, the topic of of be the captain, be the pilot in command. You have to tell 
whoever's wanting that airplane, that that's, you might go, you might think other, I should go, but I'm not comfortable going. Right. Just have the courage to, uh, uh, to do that. Know your own limitations too. You know, it could be, it could be that the weather's nice, but the winds are strong. Yeah. In direct crosswind, 20, 20 knots or something. And like, man, I don't know. I don't want to end up in the weeds. Agriculture flying. Yeah. Some of, some of the uh, the environments you're flying in, though, too, is, and, and we, you and I face this on the airline end of things, is the is who are we flying with? So I don't necessarily mean the uh, you know your first officer, but I mean, who, what are the issues that are going on within that airplane? So do you necessarily want to be taking those people with you? Uh, maybe maybe they're sick. Oh, I see what you're getting. You know, yeah. maybe maybe they're being a little <clears throat> confrontational. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're being a little pushy about you getting home, or uh, who knows. But you've got to be just as willing to say, you know, sorry, but we're not going. You know, right? Because um, I, I I tell I tell my flight attendants, I'm like, look, if I have a passenger issue in the back and it gets up to me, they're coming off the airplane. We're done because it shouldn't it shouldn't have to get up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll take them off, and they can figure out what's going on while we're headed to where we're going. We a lot of the business that we do, or at least some of—I shouldn't say a lot—but a portion of the business we do is with uh, air. I mean, airplanes obviously that are used for business, and sometimes that involves a uh, a prof- professional pilot who's who's and and you know it may be a younger guy that's uh, that's still getting his feet wet and building time, and he's flying for. Uh, uh, a uh, an individual who he's flying this uh, Piper Mirage for a small company or whatever, and, and that's hard for that twenty three year old, twenty two year old pilot to tell the boss that no, I'm not comfortable to go. Yeah, and they have to be willing to do that. To your point, uh, it doesn't matter who you're flying; you have to be the the captain at that point. I just I it's one of the one of the best parts about being a uh, a captain and the heart, but yet the hardest parts is that you don't know, no matter who, well, I can equate it to the military. You might have a three-star general on the airplane, but, uh, but you're going to end up with a captain or major or something who's flying the airplane, and that individual's in charge of the airplane. Not the general in the back, right? And if you're if you're in that position where you're you're kind of the you know the, the business owner or uh, whoever, it would be nice if you would empower your people mm-hmm. to be able to say no without repercussion or fear of losing their job or anything else like that. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to get home too. You want to get home to see your family. You want to get home and, and continue your business another day without uh, you know your you're um, the pilot putting you or somebody else that might in turn get you sued later on for a, a poor decision they made. Right, right, exactly. So what else in the in terms of pilot command decision making? You know, we've talked about weather and maintenance. Those are. What do you think about checklists? Flying. Does that fit into that? I think so. Absolutely, absolutely. I do think that. Uh, uh, I mean, if if you think you're being cool not using a checklist, well, you're wrong. 
<laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. impress. It, do, it wouldn't impress me. No, no. It's it's about the most unimpressive thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. And you'll see guys do that all the time. They'll jump in, and and I know that you might you might have flown that airplane, you know, hundreds of hours. Um, but you know that's one of the things that has proven over time to be uh, a driver of safety almost more than anything else. Absolutely. Is, you know, no matter how familiar you are, and that's actually where it gets bad, is when you do get so familiar, you stop using that checklist. And uh, The checklist is a barrier to stop. The other distractions are, we've we've discussed them already, the other distractions that might be going on, and now by going back and... And and using the checklist, it will refocus you toward do, accomplishing the flight correctly. Yeah. I, I made mine, and I, I, I think <clears throat> I saw an article not too long ago that uh, was talking about this, about maybe drawing up, you know, encouraging you to drop your own checklist for yes. your airplane. So yes. rely on what you have there that the manufacturer provides. But expand on that where it's necessary. And, uh, you know, for my airplane, uh, I drew up one. And this is mainly because I just don't feel like I'm smart enough to remember all this stuff. But I drew up one that is uh, very similar to what we use on the 737. Right. And so um, so now, you know, my, my muscle memory is already there. My mind, you know, my mind, my habit patterns already taken me there. And so I'm doing a lot of these things that are nowhere near that, that PA-32 checklist, for example, in this case. Mm-hmm. But they're in there anyway because uh, that's the way I operate that airplane. If I can operate them fairly similarly, it just, it it just gives me some no, I like your peace. checklist. I, I think it's, it's, that's a good way to do it. I was impressed when I first saw that. That was great. The uh, and you know it'll help you remember things. <laughs> some there's some big things like the trim, for example, or a fuel maybe on proper tank and stuff. There's some other things even like a door. You know you forget to. There have been airplanes and and fairly recently even like a you know a door popping open on a Bonanza is not an uncommon event right. at all. Now the airplane will fly. Just fine, but you're not getting that door shut until you land. <laughs> and right. Then you can get it shut. You got to reduce the airflow over the door. Well, there was a, within the last two to three years, I, I can absolutely remember an A36 with a highly experienced. Uh, you know, many of you may be familiar with Beach Talk, uh, the popular forum for for Beechcraft owners, enthusiasts, and so on. Uh, a guy that was active on on beach talk and everything, he ended up crashing an A thirty six. They speculate that it was a, a door, the mm-hmm. door had come up, but but it it hit an embankment or something, and, and I, I can't remember the details now. I hope I'm not mixing up two events, but anyway, there is there is no doubt that there have been uh, fatal crashes of. Of bonanzas because of the door popping open. Well, why the door pop open? Well, first off, probably because the checklist wasn't followed. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, you you got distracted. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. gets so many guys on on the the gear up thing is you get distracted. You know, I was also reading an article the other day. You may have seen this, Todd. Um, well, you ever watch Martin Pauly? Yeah, any of his videos. So if you guys haven't ever looked at Martin Pauly, look him up on the YouTube. Great, uh, he's an instructor. Just became. An ABS certified instructor, I think. I think, I think I saw you're that. right. I think I saw that. 
but he's got some great things. I, I don't know if this was Martin or maybe Tom Turner at ABS or somebody else, um, but they were they were talking about some of the differences between how uh, airline pilots operate the, the bigger airplanes and how we as general aviation pilots do and why why there's some needless disparity in there. But what they talked about is is a pre-flight briefing. That's what yes. I'm trying to get to in here in a long-winded way. Is, uh, and, and specifically, a plan that you brief, you verbalize whether you're the only one in the airplane or not prior to takeoff on what you're going to do mm-hmm. if you have an engine out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you uh, if I'm got my gear down, I've got runway ahead of me, I'm going to land. If I'm between such and such altitudes, depending on your airplane, we are going, we're not going to make any turns or minimal turns just to avoid obstacles. We're going to just find something that's in front of us. You know, if we're above such and such an altitude, then I can I can start to maneuver now and start to look for something a little bit better. But you're, you're, you're verbalizing that. You're almost chair flying, which is one of the biggest things in the military. You're chair flying right. that scenario right there in your head before it happens each and every time. And... and it's a good chance to mentally tell yourself, too, at that point, the very, very, very first thing I'm going to do is push the nose forward. Because there you that go. airspeed runs out right now. Because you're barely above, chances are, you know, 500 feet in the air, you're not much above the best glide speed, if at all. Right. And and guess what? It's going to, that speed, that little bit of margin is going to go away right now. Yeah. So, well, that's a good point, because it... it uh... At VX, climbing out of downtown, which I, I climb out at the best angle to get Kansas, that altitude. Because there's, there's just no place down there to land. Um, I think it's 81 knots in that airplane. Mm-hmm. The best glide speed 79. Yeah, so you're at it. So you're right there. I know, I, I will caveat that saying, Chris can fly with one knot of accuracy. I yeah. cannot. <laughs> but, but yeah. Chris is very good. Uh so no, that's I think that's a that's the the whole concept of the briefing not only for the engine failure but just setting your mind right and just like even even along those lines too a what whatever phase of flight you are in it doesn't hurt to do do the checklist or whatever, but then sort of have a quick mental once over again and just have I have I got everything you know not just you're not just saying the checklist right. You're truly doing the checklist. You're doing the checklist, and then you, I think, I think you do too. Even after, as I get ready to take the runway and the checklists are done, I've got my wrote eight or ten things that I look at yeah. just to make sure, you know, for, for example, on the big airplane, one of my biggest fears is taking off unpressurized. You know, so besides the flap setting, I'm looking at making sure we got the pressurization system set right. But, you know, there's there's a few things I just scan. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm hitting those things. Good. I'm good to go. And, and and occasionally, occasionally I'll find something. You know, or or the FO I'm flying with, he'll find something. Uh, or she'll find something because they, they do the same thing. You're like, right. oh, crap, we didn't get that. Let's make sure we get that. Right. <laughs> it's uh, uh, There's more of those things I'm finding out of my early experience in, in Airbus <laughs> flying. It's amazing what you can... Uh, like a buddy of mine said, he goes, oh, I, I I flew all the way to Milwaukee without the beacon on. <laughs> you know, you'd think you'd remember a beacon, but yeah, but it can happen. Not that that fortunately that's not something that's going to kill you, but it does point out that it's it's easy to overlook things that uh, you, you swore you did it, but you didn't. Well, and and what do they call that? It's uh, 
confirmation bias. So mm-hmm. you you look at something and you're expecting to see the switches on, for example. So you see the switches on, mm-hmm. but you're not really verifying. You know, maybe either touch or right. looking at the okay, yes, that's on. And and for those of you then that fly, maybe a couple different kinds of airplanes, it's, which is a great thing for for many of us. You know what a what a nice perk in life to be able to not just fly one type but another. You know the switches may be a little different or out of place or something. I what made me actually think of that is in the Airbus at, at here at Brand X. Sometimes turning the switch, the lights, for example, on, or switches are forward. Some airplanes are backwards. Well, I mean, that's a... That's, and that's because those airplanes came from two different carriers, right? Exactly. And different exactly. carriers would order them differently yep. so that they would do that. Yep, that's exactly right. And so it's the same thing, uh, you know, we were recently talking about uh, on a recent podcast uh, about Bonanzas. And, and the thought that I had was that they were all... You know, you look at A36s, there's so many configurations of, of yeah. the, you know, they've all been modified and ra- new radios and different radios. And there's, so there's a lot of things that, a lot of gotchas. And so that once over look again can help you to catch that. Uh, maybe you've just bought it. And there's been plenty of those incidents and accidents over the years of, of an aircraft that, was just recently purchased and then the pilot either reverted to an old habit or missed something he didn't didn't know about my 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 mind is going through back john denver and that you know that's how john denver yep. got killed they surmise he was trying to reach back over his shoulder and that was it was it a was a long easy or something or, uh, yeah or i can't remember some it was kind a canard of, airplane yeah and, and uh experimental and he was the, I don't know if he ran out of fuel in the tank or something, but he couldn't switch tanks and lost control. So uh, there's a, a recently a Bonanza crash down in South Florida. Uh, it was just caught on video a little bit. It was a tragic deal. Everything exploded. That's when they hit the car. Hit the car, yeah. yeah all that. I was trying to turn around, I think. Yeah, I want to say that that was a brand. I don't know. Time and time again, there's like first flights in airplanes. And, and so if you do have to be in that situation, you know, you're the pilot command. You need to you need to be ready yourself, and not if someone else is wanting to, you to move along, demonstrating the airplane or something. Oh no, no, it's good, it's good. Well, <laughs> you may if you bought the airplane, you are the pilot command. Slow down and yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if nothing else. I hope that um, I hope that some of this has given you some insight on uh, you know maybe maybe things you can do to. Um, operate your plane a little more safely you know be willing to say no be willing to stop the airplane be willing to turn that engine off on the ground or or take it back to the hangar Uh, because there's really despite what you're probably thinking to the contrary there's really no reason you have to be there and and put yourself at that kind of of risk And, and remember you're not just putting yourself at risk you're putting your plane you're putting your passengers and ultimately people on the ground people on the ground and ultimately you're giving uh, GA a bad name by going out there and making a bad decision that uh, might have, uh, you know, w- was easy to easily preventable, easily preventable. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and just along those lines again, I just, I can't overemphasize enough that, uh, 
very, it's interesting, very, very highly experienced pilots probably operate more, more conservatively at a slower, more methodical pace than the, the pilots that's got 100, 120 hours just at the point where they have, they're like, well, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then now I, got, I need to show how much I know yeah. by rushing or skipping or, uh, for a good, easy examples, like not using the checklist just because they, so, you know, don't be that guy. I remember one of the sayings that uh, was written in several books when I was a, a UPT instructor, and that was uh, being aggressive. The state of aggressiveness should not be confused with reckless control or careless abandon. I think is what it, you know because a lot of people have that mis mis uh, interpretation. You know, I've got to be aggressive and I've got to go out there and, and do all this. No, being aggressive means you're willing to make the right decisions and take the right time and. Um, and, and make you know do everything that you should be doing to mitigate those those circumstances, uh, not just by flying through stuff quickly. At the when I flew for TWA at the at the uh, training center there, the the signs that you saw that was posted in a lot of places, or the phrase was aggressively safe. And I always thought that was a good uh, a good yeah. way to approach things aggressively safe. So. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of a fun topic for us to talk about. Hopefully, you all enjoyed that. Anything else, Chris? No, man, Todd. Thank you. It's uh, it's been good. So uh, again, this is uh, Chris Kirk and Todd Mint here at Wild Blue Aircraft Sales. Whether you're thinking of uh, buying or selling, or uh, maybe uh, you're looking for somebody to kind of guide you through that process. Maybe you've got something that uh, you wanted to sell wholesale. We do take trades. Uh, we we would love to visit with you. Our website's flywildblue.com, and uh, you can check us out there. Or give us a call, uh, 888-773-4249. And really appreciate uh, you, you listening to us here on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.